Thanks for tuning in to Therapy and Ish. Podcasting from the therapist perspective. I'm Ariel Williams, a licensed clinical social worker. And I'm Latronette Manor, licensed mental health counselor. Therapy and Ish is not to be used as a substitute for mental health or therapy services. Hey guys, this is Latronette. And this is Ariel. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to our first session on Therapy and Ish, Normalizing Therapy. And we want to thank everyone for the support thus far. We really appreciate it. And we're working hard to create some content that is going to be received well and actually be informative to you all. We want to make sure that this is a platform to just talk about all things therapy and mental health. So make sure that you guys are interactive with us and you leave a review if there's some information you want to know and we don't discuss it during our session. And feel free to send that information. You can DM us. You can put it in our reviews. You can email us at therapyandish at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. So the first thing we're going to talk about is the different types of therapists and their credentials. So me, myself, I am a licensed mental health counselor. I have my master's degree in mental health counseling, and I went ahead and took the um, test to become a licensed mental health counselor. And so for myself, I have a master's degree in social work, and I, too, took a test, and um, that's how I became a licensed clinical social worker, but we just represent two different types of therapists. Um, There are others like... A licensed practicing counselor, which is kind of similar to a licensed mental health counselor, just in different states. So like California and Georgia, their therapists are considered licensed practicing counselors. And then it's the clinical social worker, certified social worker. That's also in other states. In Florida, it is licensed clinical social worker. There is a psychologist um, and also licensed marriage and family therapist, which focus primarily on the family units. Mm-hmm. And also, I know it might be some confusion sometimes, but if you are going to a psychiatrist, that is for medication management. And some people may feel like a psychiatrist is a therapist as well, but a psychiatrist is actually a medical doctor. So, um it's rare that a psychiatrist practices therapy because you go to them for medication management. So I hope that helps some people. And it's also important to understand that each profession have, they each have various educational backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So me, myself, I have my master's in mental health counseling. I have my bachelor's in social work um, and I'm a licensed mental health counselor. You may find another licensed mental health counselor that took a completely different route than me, but they still have the same credentials. Um, Also the same with Ariel's field. You'll have people that go to school to get their master's in social work. They'll become licensed clinical social workers, and then they'll go ahead and continue school and become psychologists. Right. So it's important to just know what you're looking for in a therapist's credentials. They hold a lot of weight, but they don't mean as much as the approach your therapist takes in sessions. Right, because you might have some therapists, and even me sitting here with Latronette, we may agree on a lot of things, but when you go to a session with me versus going to a session with her, it may look totally different as far as how we approach our sessions and our clients and our training. And so um, that's important because some people may have heard terms such as a strength-based approach or cognitive behavioral therapy. And people do a lot of research prior to going to therapy. Some people do. And they may come to a therapist and say, I need this, I need this, based on things they've read online. But just keep in mind that um, 
find the therapist that fits your vibe, so to speak, and um, make sure you're picking someone that's good for the therapeutic relationship for the both of you, because that's when therapy works the best. Also, it's important to take in mind the type of counseling you're looking for. Right. right. So um, me, myself, I do individual counseling and I do couples counseling. I have done group counseling in the past, um, but there's different different types of group counseling that you can have. You can have a structured group, group, Mm -hmm. which has a counselor that's a leader of the group, or you can have self-help groups, sorry, um, which doesn't have a counselor as a leader, and the group is just led amongst the members. Um, So Ariel can share a little bit about what types of counseling she does. I think I'm pretty much the same. Um, (laughs) I've done the group counseling, and I've done, like, a trauma group with older adults. I've done all kind of group therapy with older adults based on my um, work experience and also I do the individual counseling and couples counseling as well um couples counseling is becoming more and more popular Very popular. <laughs> um especially for myself I'm, I'm seeing a lot more couples come in so um it's all different types of counseling if it's whatever works for you because some people may feel like they want to go to a support group for a certain things such as um you know they have caregiver support groups for those that are taking care of spouses or family members, they have um, support groups for different illnesses that you may encounter or different life experiences. So um, research, research, research. I can't say that enough to see what's appropriate for you and what you may need. And you don't always just have to attend one type of counseling. You can be in individual counseling and realize that a lot of your individual issues are related to your relationship and then decide to proceed into couples counseling Um, or sometimes your individual counselor will encourage you to go to different support groups which it always just kind of makes a whole circle in helping your mental health helping you as a whole so just keep that in mind you don't have to just stick to one you know type of counseling you can always dib and dab in each different type right and that's important again it goes back to what I said before making sure whatever you choose it fits for you don't Look at somebody else and say, that worked for that person. Do what works for you. And um, I think the other thing we should bring up is that as therapists, we are human and we are people as well. So knowing that we've taken time out to invest in our careers, we had to study a lot, um, do a lot of internship hours. I know I did, but um, we, we took some time to really... Um, focus in on our craft and do our job in a professional way but we're still human and we still have personal lives so I think respecting that if you know a therapist and you're like oh but you know this person does this but your therapist is entitled to a personal life keep that in mind right so don't feel like if you decide to hang out on a Friday night and you see your therapist in a club that oh my gosh my therapist is unethical no that's not what that means that means that they have to have a life and self-care is very very important for therapists and self-care looks different for everyone mm-hmm. so sometimes your therapist is going to go hang out with their friends on a Friday night and you might run into each other that's okay just utilize that as a reminder that your therapist is normal and that's part of what helps your therapist understand what you're going through and become the best professional that they can be because of their personal life experiences right and I think also keep in mind that when we're in this role, we hear a lot of bad stuff. And just because you 
if you're coming to therapy and your stuff may not seem as heavy, it doesn't mean that I don't have another client that just laid it all out. And so we have methods that we use to um, self-care. <laughs> and that's really important. And so it may not look like the self-care we talked about with you because what I talked about with you may not work for me. So I think that's important too. If, if you see me out, um, you know, you can speak and just respect my life personally and also my life as a professional. I think that's very, very important. Okay. Um, so next we want to talk about um, cultural and generational mm-hmm. views mm-hmm. on mental health, um, which that can be a whole mouthful, right? So I know that there's always, you know, platforms that are saying that, you know, color families or um, cultures of color typically are against the idea of therapy um, and that minorities are less likely to seek mental health treatment compared to non-minority populations. And I think that that is slowly changing It is um, as yeah. time goes on, yeah. especially now that we have um, colored that are in the industry, like artists that are talking out about their mental health experiences. I think it's allowing people to feel more comfortable just being able to relate to them and talk more about their own personal experience with mental health that maybe they didn't even realize was there. And I think um, also, too, it helps when people in general are talking about their experience in therapy um, because it's helping to normalize therapy as a whole. And also, um, when we're talking about the cultural and generational impact and effect, um, keep in mind that your family may not encourage you to go because nobody else has gone to therapy in your family. Nobody has done it. Tell you to pray about it. Right, right. (laughs) So if nobody has done it, they don't know about it to tell you enough to say, you know what, you should really, really do this. This can really, really be beneficial for you. So don't be afraid to have the confidence to be the first one. You know, you can show others around you something different and say, look, I had to do this for me in conjunction with praying, if that's what you choose to do or whatever you choose to do, you know, use therapy as something to be your best self and don't be afraid to be the only one doing it. And that goes for many different things in life, but making sure that you can show the older people in your family that, hey, I did this and it's not as bad as we thought it was, because I think too. A lot of it comes from, and I'm speaking for families, black and brown families probably, when um, there was such, and it still is, um, not to say it's totally void today, but it was such a distrust for healthcare. And, you know, this wasn't accessible. It wasn't. And you didn't have um, black therapists or you didn't have Hispanic therapists or Chinese, you know, you didn't have people that looked like you in this field and now that is totally not the case not the case <laughs> um it's not the case at all so whether you're white black hispanic chinese whatever you choose to identify with there's probably a therapist out there as well that is also in your um race ethnic background what have you so keep that in mind just don't be afraid to be the first person doing it and make sure when you when you build a relationship with your therapist um, make sure you try to educate them on your cultural views because mm-hmm. sometimes the way that 
each culture describes their symptoms differently. Right, right. So uh, things can look completely different for us as African Americans than it may look for another culture. So it's just making sure that you are able to just basically blatantly say how you feel, explain your family background, explain your culture. It'll help your therapist be able to meet you where you are. And that's, like, the most important thing in therapy. And that goes for a therapist who looks like you and a therapist that doesn't look like you because um, my experience as a a black woman may be totally different from Latronette's experience as a black woman, period. So um, just keep that in mind. Always, always be a little open about where you come from, your experience as a person. And I think... um, that gives a segue into getting rid of that narrative that um, you're going to lay on the couch to talk to somebody. <laughs> um, because I've never used the couch. <laughs> I use a couch. Okay. Some people lay on my couch. Everybody don't lay on my couch. Right. Some people sit on my floor while I'm sitting in my chair. Yeah. You, yeah. You, whatever groove you want to get into, whatever it looks makes different. you comfortable, right. you do what makes you comfortable. So there is no cookie cutter picture right. for what therapy looks like. It, it's supposed to be adjusted to you and what makes you feel comfortable. Because I think I have chairs. I have chairs. And then I've done therapy in community-based settings, too. Yeah. So, um, also, you know, they have therapists that go in-home. So well, just, I've done that before. Yeah, and with me my, too. When I did therapy in-home, I did with kids. So right. Me, too. We sat down on the floor. Right. And we right. just did our thing. But, you know, it just it looks different for everybody. Um, and also understanding that sometimes um, we're... As we grow up, we are conditioned to think a certain way. Mm-hmm. So some of our mental health symptoms are are labeled, and the intent may not have been negatively, but it made you feel like, oh, that's normal, when it's not always really mm-hmm. normal. So um, I know something that I always come across is people saying that I'm just emotional. You know, right, it's, right. A, it's something deeper going on there. You're not just emotional. You know, so it's important to make sure that you just build a therapeutic relationship with someone that can kind of help you dissect and process things because it doesn't always have to be something specific wrong with you. You could just feel like life's just shit. It's stress, right? <laughs> and it's stressing you out and you need <laughs> you need some relief, some reprieve. And um if if you can't find it in your environment because I think that gives way into if those around you, your natural support system, and that when I say natural supports, I'm referring to your family, your friends, those people that are near and dear to you. If you're not comfortable expressing yourself to your partner or, or those people, you need somewhere where you can kind of work through your stuff, your mess, so to speak, mm-hmm. and find out where that stuff comes from. And so um, that's something that therapy can help with. And like I said, just because nobody else is doing it doesn't mean it's not okay for you to do. Um, A big thing I I preach (laughs) in my therapy with my clients is to always have the confidence to take care of yourself and speak up for yourself. Always, always. And that goes for if you got to say it to your partner, to your mama, to your daddy, your sister, your brother, whoever. If you need to do something necessary to take care of your well-being, do it and have the confidence to do it. Absolutely. Um, Also understand that, you know, everybody's purpose for therapy is different, Mm -hmm. right? One person is going to to therapy because they're trying to process the loss of a family member. Somebody else is going to therapy because 
um, of anxiety. They're, they feel like they have panic attacks often. So it looks different for everybody. You really just have to do what works for you. Um, find a therapist that works for you. Right. Um, even if you just schedule an appointment with a therapist to find out what you can work on. Mm -hmm. Just sit there and talk and process things. I've had plenty of clients that come in my office and they're just like, what do you get out of therapy? And I'm just happy to have someone come in and be open to the idea of what therapy can do for them. So you learn a lot in therapy. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about your attachment style with people. And it just gain, you gain a lot of clarity and a different perspective on life. And I think to piggyback off the point um, that you made about finding the therapist that works for you, mm -hmm. if you have gone to therapy and you're listening to this and you've had a bad experience just one time, it wasn't a good fit. So try it again. And like I said, there are so many of us out here today and we all have different approaches. You know, mm -hmm. we're in different settings. You can do it virtually. You, it's so many options. So utilize another option. Utilize another avenue and try it again because, um, you know, that initial session is important. Also give it a, a good chance because mm -hmm. some people may go into a session guarded I don't want to do this. <laughs> and that's why I think yeah. when I tell all my clients first session, if you feel like this, the dynamics of this relationship doesn't feel comfortable, authentic right. for right. you, let's process that mm -hmm. because that could, that could mm -hmm. be something there. And I'm okay with the idea that my therapeutic approach is not for everybody, right. but I will give you a referral to somebody else so that you can try again. So also just be open to the idea of having that conversation with your therapist like okay I'm feeling a little off about this mm -hmm. or whatever it is that's making you feel uncomfortable have that open dialogue mm -hmm. with them so that you can determine if it's if it's an issue that need to be processed more in that session or if you just need to get a referral to try it again don't give up just you know try it again and you might find someone that's a better fit right because I, I I tend to always ask the question what do you want from me because sometimes I have a real in-your-face approach <laughs> um, with certain clients. And sometimes I can tell that this client needs some space to just kind of speak it. and Thanks. stuff like that. So um, sometimes a session can be really challenging <laughs> because I may have dug deep and made you really process some stuff that you weren't expecting to or you didn't want to face and when we're asking you certain questions and we're diving deep um it it requires a responsibility because now these feelings are here and mm -hmm. I will say that every time you leave therapy you may not feel good because I've had clients yeah, spiral out of control they get mad right <laughs> and um I've had that as well I mean I've had people storm out the door on me I will say that and then I get a call I get an email like you know you just made me think about something that I never thought about that this is why I'm doing xyz it happens um don't shy away from the process if if you are committing to it and you decide to take that journey stick to it, it it's it's not easy work healing is not easy I always say that because it it makes you face your mess and sometimes your mess requires responsibility because you got to clean it up. And sometimes your mess includes other people's mess that ain't even around you anymore. Right. So be ready for that piece right. as well. A lot of self-awareness. Yeah. A lot. A you have lot. to check in with yourself. You got to know what your ish is. Mm -hmm. um, even if it does involve somebody else, you know, what somebody else did to you, you still have to 
sit in it and process it and and be focused on that. your healing and not theirs. Right. Not a worried about that. Right. Comes, but you can't blame anybody for what happened in the past. You just gotta process it, deal mm-hmm. with it, and move forward. However that looks for you. Right. So y'all sent us in all these questions. <laughs> so we are gonna tackle them for you. Um and keep in mind if you tuned in to our live session, we answered a few on there. And then um, all the other questions we're going to answer right here. So you got one you want to go over? Okay. All right. So the first question that I'm going to go over is a question that was sent in um, through one of our social media platforms. And of course, I'm not going to go into detail about the way the question was worded because I want to make sure that this is as anonymous as possible. So um, basically, this person just expressed a lot of things that they are going through. Um, and they wanted to know how can they overcome negative thoughts, right? Overcoming negative thoughts is probably, I think it's everybody's problem, mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so overcoming ne- negative thoughts is is basically making sure that you identify what these thoughts are, right? right? Um, you have to do a lot of reality testing with yourself. A lot of times we judge ourselves harsher than anyone else can judge ourselves, Um, so the negative thoughts are going to come. You're going to analyze things and you're going to criticize yourself about things. Um, the biggest, biggest thing that I tell my clients is to practice gratitude, right? Definitely. So when negative thoughts start to come your way, um, it's just trying to get you down and you know, you have to make a decision of who's going to win this battle, your thoughts or yourself. So you, this person particularly had a lot of positive things in in their question little paragraph thing and it was so many good things going on in her life and then it's like okay but I still have these negative thoughts about this this and that and it's like you have to you have to decide which one you're going to allow to weigh more and all of those positive things weigh a whole lot more than the little bit of negative things that have occurred in your life So just analyze your thoughts. Sometimes you have to sit and analyze your thoughts. A great technique for analyzing your thoughts is to utilize journaling. Um, You can journal down what those thoughts are and ask yourself, is this true, right? Mm -hmm. If you're constantly feeling like you're a failure, is that really true? Like if you have a good job, if you, you know, successfully earned your degree or you have, you know, a great family, like you're not a failure because you have all of these things that show you otherwise so go ahead i was going to say also in regards to the same question um it they discussed some losses right so i wanted to make sure we touch on grief as well because making sure you give yourself the space to grieve because a lot of people and i've seen this in practice they don't Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I got all these responsibilities, so I have to pick up the pieces. And right. But you do have to validate your grief and actually give yourself the space to grieve. And one thing I like to talk about is, you know, you if if you're a, if you're a man, if you're a woman, you wear many different titles, and the titles can be, you know, wife, husband, mother, f- father. List goes on. Right. But making sure you're taking care of the man or the woman behind those titles. Because um, at some point, if you don't take care of the person, 
those feelings and those thoughts and stuff seep through in those other titles. They interfere with how well you mother, how well you're a father, how well, you know, you're you're an employee and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. The list goes on. So make sure you're taking care of the person. Like self care, self care. Take care of the person underneath the title. And it's okay to make sure that you if you're not okay, it's, that's okay. Right? That's the, yeah. the biggest thing, yeah. especially when it comes to grief. Like, it, that is okay if you're not okay. Mm-hmm. But you have to allow yourself that safe space to not be okay. And don't put a time on it either. Yeah, there is no time frame <laughs> on grief. Because it, 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 it looks um, different for everybody. Right. And so don't allow anyone to tell you you should be over this already. You can have two weeks and feel like you're good and then that grief will hit you like a, a tidal wave. So that's okay. It is. And so I guess I'll go to our next question. How should I go how should I go about finding a good therapist? So huh. Um we kinda touched on that actually if you listen to this episode, but if you skip just to the end, I'll give you the condensed version. Um, determine what qualities you, you want in a therapist. Decide what you want. Give a therapist adequate opportunity and give yourself opportunity to adjust to the process if you've never gone to therapy before. And um, research therapist bios. There are many different places that um, will inform you about that you can do so. And a lot of therapists have different niche. niche? Yeah. Say that. <laughs> um, a lot of therapists have different specialties. So You'll find if you feel like you know what you're dealing with is anxiety, find a, a therapist that specializes in that. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know you're dealing with grief, if you are able to identify what your problem is that you want to resolve, I think it would be good to research and find a therapist that specializes particularly in that, and that would help you as a starting point. Right, that's a good one. So the next question is to discuss how to set boundaries with family. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I laughed. That's a good one. That comes up a lot. Oh, um. So, boundaries with family is almost the same. Is it has to be the same as the way you set boundaries with anybody else? Mm-hmm. Is it tougher? Absolutely, because you feel like you owe them. But you still have to know what your values are. Um, I feel like values are at the tip of where you start your boundaries at and also the confidence part comes in because you know you might have to set a boundary with your mom and and especially if you were close to your mother that's a big deal right and it, it can seem very very challenging and if your viewpoint is different you know Mothers can be a different type of, and, and I don't know if beast is the thing I want to say, but they can be difficult, okay? <laughs> so, um, you when you get to a certain state, you, you got to realize that sometimes a lot of the reason why your mother may have pushback is her own stuff that right. she has going on and attribute it to that and not you. Right. And know that you're doing what's necessary to set boundaries within your family because you're trying to take care of yourself. Right. Because, you know, just because your family doesn't mean that they're good for your well-being all the time. Very true. And it's also important to be respectful. Right. When you set boundaries, your intention is not to hurt anybody's feelings or to come off as this big negative Nancy that don't want to do anything for mm-hmm. anybody anymore. 
so just be respectful in your approach. Um, sometimes you have to stop and think about how you're going to respond to a situation that you know you need to set boundaries in before you dive deep into it. So if it's, no, I'm not coming to do X, Y, and Z for you today, you know, be careful on your approach on how you do that. Um, but it always goes back to your values. What, where do you know you're stretching yourself too thin at? Like if you know you're working a 12-hour day, and your mom or your dad wants you to come all the way to Timbuktu just to come have dinner with them, and you're just like, you're burnt. You need to set boundaries there. Right. You need to just say, you know, no, not today, maybe another time, right? Mm-hmm. So just be respectful in however you deliver your boundaries to your family members. Um, so the next one we have is, <laughs> I like the way this was wrote it. I'm broke. Um, I can't afford a therapist. Ooh, so, um, finances is, is a thing that comes up. And, um, I think one of the major things, first things first, check with your insurance company. Some insurance companies will have benefits yep. and that can also, be EAP and yeah, different right. things like that. With your job, and I like stress this to almost everybody Almost everybody's job has an employee assistance program, mm-hmm. and that will allow you to get your foot in the door with some free sessions. Right. Six days. The therapist Six is getting eight. paid, right. but you're right. not paying your therapist. Um, so just know that that will get you in the door to be able to kind of pinpoint whatever issues you need to address and also allow you the time to find a good therapist. Mm-hmm. And then after your employee assistance benefits have been utilized, go to your your health insurance your health insurance has a behavioral health portion um everybody's health insurance has a behavioral health portion might not be the best but it's there um so you can always take that approach and then of course you know i'm pretty sure most counselors will take private pay yep private pay (laughs) and talk don't be afraid to ask about sliding scale that's more common than you think and if you don't know what it is it's based on income so some therapists will say hey you know I see the importance. Um, you want this, so let's talk about it. Some therapists may be willing, instead of giving you an hour session, they give you a 30-minute session. You know, based on your budget, your income, check that. Um, and don't be afraid to have that discussion with therapists. Right. Our next question is, is it necessary to see a therapist in person? Absolutely not. There are... So many different platforms where you can text a mental health professional. You can do it um, online, email, Skype, VC. It's a bunch of different ways that you can see a therapist. You don't have to see a therapist face-to-face. Also for, I know, college students. You can be away at college and you find this therapist. You make a great relationship with this therapist. And you want to go home for the holidays, but you know you're going to need a session in, in between that time. Always talk to your current therapist to see if you can do a online or a virtual session because they are available. Um, and we have one that is what qualifies a therapist as a good one. So I want to first say that's um, that's based on you. Yep. Two, one, make sure that they are credentialed. We don't need nobody out here. Always faking. check your therapist's right. license. Make Always. sure your life, because we, we paid for that. So make sure the person is current and they're up to date. So make sure they are credentialed properly. And make sure it's a good fit to you. I think that's been a theme we keep saying is make sure it's a good fit. It's what you want. If you go in saying, 
I want a black woman as my therapist. I want a white man. You know, go in and find that. If that's not what you, once you get there, if this is not right for you or you don't think you, you have the option to switch that. So just make sure it's a good fit for you and make sure they legit, most importantly. Okay. Um, also, the next question is, how do I tell my family and friends I'm in therapy? <laughs> You don't have to. Yeah, don't tell nobody your business. <laughs> and, and and we're saying that because you that's that conditioning that yep. society you gotta tell everybody and report everybody everything you do. You don't. And if you don't want to tell anybody you're going to therapy, don't tell anybody. Is, do you tell everybody every time you go to the doctor? No. Right. Yeah. This is a doctor visit. So you don't have to tell anyone. Now if you do decide to have that conversation, back to what Ariel said, be confident in your decision. You decided right. that you were doing this for you, and you just want to let someone know what you're doing. Right. That's okay. Um, Be prepared. Guard for yourself it. from yeah. opinions, because yeah. everybody's going to have an opinion mm-hmm. on what you're doing with your life. So guard yourself from that. Make sure you're aware of it and confident in your decision, and you feel like this is beneficial for you. And then you can have that conversation. But if 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 the idea of having that conversation brings more stress on you than what you're already dealing with... I don't think it's that important to have it. You being in therapy doesn't, should not change the dynamic of how much somebody cares for your well-being. So whether they know you're in therapy or not, they should be happy for the growth and the progress that they see in you. Right. Um, You got more. Yeah. (laughs) More. (laughs) All right. So the next question is from someone about dating someone with bipolar 2 disorder. All right, so just a disclaimer. I know a lot of people say, oh, they are bipolar. Right. Or they have bipolar. There's two different types of bipolar disorder. Just two, right? It's just yeah, two. Just yeah, just two. It's two. Um, so if you're dating someone with bipolar 2 disorder or any mental health condition, I think it's important to educate yourself on the disorder. Very much so. And don't educate yourself based on your friend saying, oh, I think I'm bipolar. Educate yourself because these are really, really serious diagnoses that people have to live with. And if you're choosing to be in a relationship with anyone that has bipolar disorder, bipolar 2 disorder, um, schizophrenia, schizoaffective, we can go on and on. Right. Um, It's very important that you be a part of their support group. And you may not understand everything, and I think, too, make a, a informed decision if you're choosing to date somebody with those conditions because right. you need to see how they are caring for their diagnosis. Right. Um, so when you educate yourself, I think it is important to be a part of their treatment mm-hmm. but also have go to a support group yourself. Right, um, right. Without them, without their presence, mm-hmm. just so you can ask questions that you might not feel comfortable asking around them. Um, being supportive, right? If you make a decision that, okay, I'm going to stay in this relationship, and I know that was part of your question, should I keep seeing him? But if you make that decision to stay in the relationship, um, you have to be supportive, right? Because people that are going through mental disorders, especially as severe as bipolar 2 disorder, um, they're trying to figure out how to support themselves. So you supporting them will make a ton of difference. Um, when you educate yourself, you'll learn about triggers. With bipolar di- 2 disorder, there are triggers, which this person might not even know their triggers they yet. Realize it. There are triggers. So 
making sure that you're aware of this person that you're dating. Learn their behaviors, learn their patterns so that you can help them identify those triggers and so that not that you have to push them to say, oh, okay, yep, that's a trigger. You need to figure that out. No, for you to encourage them to either, you know, okay, we need to go see your psychiatrist or we need to get, you know, into a visit to your therapist mm-hmm. or whatever the plan may be. And don't be sure afraid you... of them when they push back because sometimes they like to sit in it. And, um, exactly. you know, I've, I've, I've treated some in practice where it, it'll be months. And they take a break, you know, because they kind of, they weren't feeling it. So understand that as well, the nature of the disease. Yeah, Sometimes they, they, they have that they hypo- with it, right? where they feel like they, they, they just got it going the on. They mm-hmm. finna conquer the world. They finna go on a trip. And, you know, that that's a, a red flag. If this person is, like, overly confident. And, and they'll they stop just, taking medication. Yeah. And so a, forth and so on. That's time for you guys to check in. So... Dating someone with any mental illness, including bipolar 2 disorder, requires, it will require a lot from you as their significant other. So you have to educate yourself and look at your partner and them as a whole and make that decision for yourself. Okay, do I want to stay in this relationship? Um, The best way to support them is to educate yourself and to be patient, right? Right. And help them along the process without judgment. If you decide that, okay, this is going to be too much for me, then, you know, make sure you let them know that. But don't don't be negative. Don't down them. Don't, you know, tell them what to do because that that's going to be a, that's going to become a trigger for them. Right. So you don't want to become one of their triggers. You just want to be supportive and you want to be patient. Um, what should you expect? Expect the unexpected. Yeah, always. <laughs> always. And, and yeah, expect the unexpected. Because if it can go left, it will go left. Um, and that's just... I, I think my my major thing is... Just like if you were dating someone who had a diagnosis... Some sort of physical ailment. Um, it requires responsibility on your part. So make sure you're dedicated and you're committed to it. If that's not something you want to commit to... Walk away. Um, because that person needs to use their energy for their healing. Right. And their healing is really really difficult due to this diagnosis so be aware of that right and your mental health is important also right, so right. make sure you're aware of how it may affect your mental well-being so we good on questions that is it for questions so great questions um i think to wrap up make sure y'all check out psychology today there's open path and Utilize your researching tools like Google and stuff to look up different therapists. Also, we're going to tell you where you can find us. <laughs> um, also, I wanted to tune in that make sure you ask, sometimes it's good to ask family and friends where if they know a therapist right, that too. and things like that. That, that is too. a great resource because you could have a friend that's in therapy that mm-hmm. made that decision not to tell anybody and they'll be able to give you a good resource right. on a great therapist. Or if you know us and you feel comfortable, because I've had people do that a lot, mm-hmm. um, actually. And I'm proud of y'all. I just want to say that. <laughs> um, if you have reached out to me ever in this course of my career and you felt comfortable, I welcome that. So don't be scared ever to say, hey, Ariel, you know a good therapist, because mm-hmm. I know plenty. And so, if I don't know one, I will find Yeah, one. I'll look up. I'm, I'm really big on that. So don't be afraid to ask either of us. Actually, you can... 
ask us personally, send it to the DM, email us, what have you. Um, if you're interested in therapy services from myself, I'm located in St. Petersburg. Um, I'm on psychologytoday.com. I'm, I'm on therapyforblackgirls.com as well. I'm located at, you can check me out, smilepsychology.com. <laughs> email me at our group email with therapy and ish are a.williams at smilepsychology.com. Um, like I said, all that information is on Psychology Today. And uh, you can find me on Psychology Today as well. I have an individual private practice called Love and Empathy Counseling. So I do have a professional Facebook page. So you can just search Latronette Manor. You can find me mm-hmm. there. Send me a message. Um, you can go on my website, loveempathycounseling.com. Um, and I take a few insurance companies. So if, oh, yeah, you, take, <laughs> if you have insurance, just ask Where's Latronette at? And they'll give you right. My I take some insurance as well. I'm gonna call it in Pinellas County, definitely. And I'll just pub this real quick. If you work for the school board and you want to utilize your EAP, I just got on that one, so that's a good thing. And I'm in the Brandon area. I am not in St. Petersburg, um, so I'm in the Brandon area. Well, tell them to look for you if they need virtual, maybe. <laughs> I will be doing virtual counseling yes. soon. Um, that is in the works, very soon. So we're getting it together. So. Thank y'all for listening. Um, Stay tuned because we got some good content. We just wanted to make sure we gave ourselves a good introduction and we hope we really gave you a nice introduction into therapy, different types of therapy, and answered some of your questions. And please, please, please give us some feedback. We want to know how we did. We want to make sure that we were able to give you guys some good content some good information about mental health and also give us some suggestions on different things that you want to know about you want to know our perspectives about um it can be anything all right even if you want to come talk to us we are going to open this up for guests professional and um if you feel like you have a viewpoint or some things you want to discuss with a therapist and you don't mind being now if you're not professional yeah don't don't, don't come on here (laughs) Getting mad because we start asking questions, but we're opening that up as well. So, um, thank y'all. All All right, so thank you guys. Make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Therapy and Ish, and make sure you're following us on Instagram, underscore Therapy and Ish. Um, and also leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, whatever platform you're listening on. Please, please, please leave a review, and we will chat with you guys soon. All right, bye.